broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College. We are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. Hey listeners, welcome back. As you may or may not know, the Willamette Valley is home to dozens of small organic farms. These farms feed local communities by selling their beautiful produce to beloved co-ops and farmers markets and restaurants in their areas. Today we're chatting with Eden Olson. She's a farmer and the owner of Lucky Crow Farm in Monmouth, Oregon. Eden is going to tell us exactly why it's important to support local organic farmers. And it's not just about economic stimulation. So I would love to hear about how you got into farming and also um, how you now own a vegetable farm. Can you kind of take us on that journey? Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, dad grew up on a grass seed farm here in town and my mom grew up on a homestead in town as well. And so I, I kind of found recognizing later that my um, career has sort of become a middle ground between the two of them where I'm growing on a much smaller scale than what my dad was doing um, as a kid, but I'm doing vegetable production, trying to feed people um, healthy food like my mom uh, has always done for us growing up. So, but I went to school uh, in Southern California, originally not having any intention of being a farmer, um, but I fell in love with my courses on food production, food equity, um, and climate, you know, change and how that's affecting agriculture, um, and water and, you know, us as eaters. And so I, um, ended up majoring in sustainable agriculture and food policy, um, intending to go into the food system somewhere. And so then I left the uh, school and went to the Bay Area and I managed farmers markets for a while. And I realized I was super jealous of the farmers <laughs> at the market. <laughs> and so I had some homies there that um, hired me on as a ranch hand up uh, in Sacramento. And they, um, yeah, so I worked there for them for a season. We had cattle and sheep and olive oil production. Um, and that's when I decided, okay, I want to grow vegetables. That's, that's my passion. So I decided to move to Washington where I began working on an organic vegetable and livestock farm. So we did salad mixes and specialty heirloom tomatoes. And, um, at that point I, um, after that season, uh, received an opportunity to come back home and sort of start up farming on some family land and an urban farm, which we'll get into later. And so I ended up just starting my own thing, <laughs> having learned quite a bit from farmers uh, that I'd worked for, but also literally having no idea what the heck I was doing. So um, that was six years ago. And that's, that's why I am here. And so happy that I followed that path. <laughs> so I think you were, you mentioned that you had studied food policy. Was that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> Can you kind of tell me a little bit more about what that is? Yeah. I mean, I made my own major up. So I um, went to a school where you could kind of do that. It was under the umbrella of environmental analysis, environmental science. 
but I ended up taking courses sort of about, you know, not only the issues with food access in our society, but also, you know, what we are doing to the climate in order to um, create a whole bunch of food that will eventually and inevitably um, create a loss of food. But it was a lot of interesting theoretical stuff. Um, and I think that's, that's something to touch on because I School to me was very much a place where I learned to be a critical thinker, where I became a good writer, where I learned a lot about the issues associated with um, our food system um, and the inequalities associated with that. Um, but I never was in a position in school to learn how to farm. <laughs> I don't think that's something that you can be taught in a classroom. And so my, I consider my, you know, foray out into the farms after that, like an extension, like graduate school, if you will, um, because to become a farmer, I, at least for me, it, you have to learn from experienced people, um, or, or just try and fail a whole bunch. So, um, yeah, it was a wonderful experience and definitely gave me a taste of, of the kinds of concepts I wanted to work work within so speaking of concepts like what is the goal of lucky crow farm um like what, what's the big picture whoa yeah <laughs> so i kind of operate the farm under the hoping to operate a sustainable venture. And for me, sustainability is more than just what we kind of associate with, um, you know, the environmental or ecological impacts. So that's really important for me, obviously. And I, you know, our riparian zones and our habitats and our in soil inputs um, and our carbon footprint, it's all really important um, on the farm. But there's also an aspect for me that is um, the economic sustainability. So I think equally as important as environmental is the fact that I can come back next season, <laughs> that I can, you know, maintain a healthy livelihood based off of what I'm growing and producing. And so in this, in our culture, unfortunately, or fortunately, or whatever, um, you have to make money. And so the farm uh, cannot continue without profitability. So we really strive to make that a keystone uh, for the farm. And then lastly, a pillar of, of our mission is social um, sustainability. So essentially, am I, are we wearing out our bodies so we, you know, can't farm in the future? Are we, am I paying fair wages to my employees uh, so that they can live a sustainable lifestyle at home? Are we taking the time and energy and money that we have to spare and pouring it into our, our local community. And so that's also really important. And I think as a business grows, that social um, impact can become bigger and bigger. Um, and so that's, yeah, I guess Lucky Crow <laughs> trying to be sustainable. And that's just such a crazy thing to unpack. <laughs> Totally. I think it's very interesting you're talking about the social impact of farming um, because I, I guess I don't really, and it, you also touched on it where you don't think of having a job is or a career as being 
like socially sustainable all the time I feel like you know it's something that seems to come first and maybe kind of tends to take over um what maybe what are some I don't know methods that you use to kind of ensure that you know you have that quality of life outside of work yeah I mean that's huge I think oh that's less so in the summer for sure <laughs> we are like our our hobbies happen in the winter time. Um, but I, I think more and more I've recognized that I can't keep farming if it's just, you know, all or nothing. I, my, I can't have a family. Like I can't, my partner would be just, she wouldn't be with me if I didn't like make time for us. Um, we like, there are just so many parts of life that, are encompassed in a farmer's life too. And so it, my first two years of farming, two or three, I would say, like I, I didn't value that and I was worn down and I was burnt out and I didn't necessarily love what I did because of that. So it's really intentional and I'm an all or nothing person, but it's like, I have to take a break. There are times, you know, it's like, this is, this is a sacred Sunday that we have like put in the books and we're not going to <laughs> go to the farm and um it's hard and it's yeah like I said very intentional um but it's something that I really push my employees to do as well um they only work eight hour days and that's it you know and that's weird for farms totally I, I'm kind of familiar with the idea of Oregon farmers I don't know about anywhere else but um like the lack of uh overtime pay you know like they could work 10 hours only but only get paid their regular wage which I think is um interesting for sure yes uh, yeah. <laughs> to say the least <laughs> I think we're I think we're gonna see that changing soon though from what I understand so that's that would be good news in my in my opinion yeah totally it sounds like it would make it more socially sustainable to kind of have practices move in that direction Exactly. You were talking about something that I thought, thought was really interesting when I was learning about your farm is that you're actually like an urban farm, not like a big, you know, plot of land that people generally think of farming. Um, can you kind of talk about like how you work? Well, like what your solution is, like making these different plots like cohesive and I don't know, just a well-oiled ship. I don't know, tongue-tied. <laughs> So I, yeah, so I farm three plots currently, um, one of which is my family's uh, farmland historically. So that's where like six generations of my family has farmed in the past. But, um, and that's where we do like, we wash and pack there, we have our greenhouses, but a good chunk of our production is on urban farms. And so um, we have one in Salem, it's kind of a smaller plot. And then our main one in Monmouth, which is two blocks away from it's the farm is the big farm is right on the urban um growth boundary so we are just right next door but we um i i the urban farm is really an important part of lucky crow i think because it's a space where people can watch us growing it's where people go to pick up their produce when they order it and food production is not something that we are seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so having that interface with the community is, is different and exciting and sometimes annoying, but mostly just like a, an educational tool, you know, but, you know, people are asking gardening advice 
this or what is that? You know, what are you growing there? Or, you know, how are you doing this morning? And can you turn your music down <laughs> all day long? And it's, it's, I think, something that we are lacking because farms are sort of isolated in rural areas normally and people are in urban areas and we don't think about that, you know, what it takes to grow food. So urban farms, I think, are really important. And so my my dad farming, as I said before, skipped a generation. Um, my dad designed this neighborhood that the farm is actually in to have a farm embedded in it because he's he's like he's he he builds houses and so he he's trying to change the the status quo of the golf course you know being in the middle of a neighborhood and he says the farm should too so that that idea of having a growing a, a space of growing and of feeding um, and of education within a neighborhood I think makes Lucky Crow really special. I would like to hear about what kind of education you're doing and why it's important um, around organic food and vegetables and farming in general. Yeah, I think I, the educational component is, I mean, there are many facets on the farm. Uh, the first and foremost, which I think is really important is um, I, I feel like I have a duty to educate and train up and coming farmers um, and create new food growers um, and and do it all in a safe space where um, anyone can can be anyone can be a farmer and um, so that's sort of an important part that I think we expanded upon this season with um, having internships uh, so we partnered with Western and had two paid interns who um, ended up getting credit for working this summer on the urban farm, uh, actually all the, the farm. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a way to teach someone, two women who had never had any sort of um, experience with food production or gardening, um, what, it, what it takes to be a farmer, the work involved, um, what, you know, starting with seeds and ending with going to the farmer's market and, and providing food for people. So that was a really exciting step that I'm really dedicated to expanding because I think, um, yeah, training people up, that's, that's a hard, it's hard to find <laughs> a safe space to learn how to be a farmer. And I, I know <laughs> from, from experience. Um, another aspect of education is outreach to the community. I think so. Recently, we had um, a outdoor camp with kids age five to 12 come out and learn all about what it, you know, what it means to grow. They pick their own cucumbers and pickle them. Um, so that's a really exciting kind of thing that we welcome um, and farm tours for people of all ages. Um, and then there's this, the other side of it, the coin, which is the, the eaters that we're feeding. And we're, we have this kind of I think responsibility to teach them, you know, how to use this weird vegetable that we've, you know, put in their CSA box or like um, how to store it even, you know, how to keep food for as long as possible. Um, and uh, so that I think is important and happens a lot at the farmer's markets. Um, that's where we really have a lot of face-to-face -face interactions with our customers and can help them navigate eating more sustainably and more locally so totally I feel like uh when I learned how to like properly store some things that would constantly go bad <laughs> on me it was a real game changer 
Like, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to buy this because I might not, it might not like save until I'm ready to eat it. But um, yeah, I think that's a great, it's like kind of a good for you and good for the customer to, to know those kinds of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So question of the hour, what's your favorite vegetable? <laughs> I get this question all the time. And honestly, my favorite vegetable is always the one that's like almost there. Like we're almost going to harvest it. Like I've, I've waited a whole year to eat it, <laughs> you know? And so I'm, I, my favorite vegetable up until this week was Romano beans because we had just like started harvesting them and there was a bounty and they're so delicious. And they're now so I'm like, I, they're so good. I've eaten so many of them. So now I'm like, okay, delicata squash. Like, I see you let's go. <laughs> so it really varies. Cause I do honestly just eat whatever is the bounty is at that point. And so, um, I mean, I'll always love a good tomato. There's nothing like a brandy wine, you know, you know, on that note, what is, uh, what is the reason why someone should buy local organic produce over supermarket produce? There are so many reasons. I, I mean, first and foremost, I think, well, I mean, we go back to these, these ideas of the environmental and social um, and economic sustainability. Like it's most likely that the produce that you're buying locally is going to have a lower carbon footprint, utilize less, um, potentially if you're looking at my farm, uh, synthetic fertilizers and pesticides, um, just having, you know, you're able to have a connection with the farmer and ask questions that are important to you um, versus going to the grocery store and you don't know who grew what. I think in the same vein, the contributing to your local, your, your local economy um, is just altogether a positive for everybody. If you're, if you're supporting your pe your people down the road, they're going to support you. And I honestly think that's, that's the answer to a sustainable future is just localizing, um, and getting what you can from the people who, you know, all around us, we have such, um, skill and knowledge to share. Um, and so not only economically, but also, you know, socially, we, we, we can support each other. We can support projects. We can support, um, yeah, the community members that we, we see on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think it's better for you to eat the local food, but it's better for you. <laughs> it's better for your heart. It's better for your body. It's better for your pocketbook. I think in the long term, to, to just support the, the people. And I don't think it's just food. I think, you know, I try really hard to, source my amendments and my uh, employees <laughs> like you know from a place that's like what's the what's the best thing for the for the farm um and for my community in general if that makes sense <laughs> totally makes sense I think also a good reason too is you just grow a taste of your product it seems you can go buy it at the farmer's market you know oh totally totally what has been some of your biggest challenges as a small business owner and a farmer in this area where there's tons of other farms? Yeah, I, my biggest challenge, well, one is financial. Farming has just been a puzzle for me um, financially. It's not something that brings in the big bucks. And so I, in the last couple of years, really had to decide, okay, I'm going to like 
buy some big equipment. I'm going to uh, take out a loan to really make this my wash and pack and my storage and my shop um, something that can last for a long time. And I had to decide basically to put down roots and invest. Uh, and that is a scary thing. And it's a long term thinking. And it's something where I now I'm a farmer for a while, you know, I've, I've, I've made those kinds of choices and it was, it has been a lot to be able to fund this project, but, um, I'm getting to the point now where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take some risks so far. So good. Um, I think that I had to fully believe that I was going to be here for a long time <laughs> in order to do that. And, and so that has been scary and challenging. Uh, another challenge for me is the physical part, <laughs> but the, on the scale that we are working, it's, it's so much, um, it's just using your body all the time. And again, it took me years to realize that I need to be healing my body while I'm using it and, you know, strengthening in other ways and taking care of myself or else once again, the farm can't keep going on and that's not sustainable. So, um, it's something I'm learning to do. It's something I'm trying to push my employees to consider <laughs> that our bodies, you know, this job is just challenging and our bodies aren't going to last forever. I think you just made like a really good point about self-care in general, like in within farming and in kind of any other field you could possibly go into, like taking care of um, yourself is like the most important thing you could probably do to be successful. It seems like. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's hard to kind of <laughs> take a step back and recognize when you're knee deep in tomatoes, like, okay, maybe I could just like, stretch for 10 seconds <laughs> and my back might feel a little bit better you know but we have to do it we have to take the time because that's that's important for the longevity of the of the operation so for sure um so as a small business owner what do you generally look for when you're hiring new employees like maybe you could talk about it in the way of like you know so uh someone's looking to get one of their first jobs what are some kinds of skills and uh, traits that they could bring to you that would be desirable for you as a small business owner? Yeah. So as an employer, I, I mean, it's obviously a bonus if someone's like, I've worked on many a farm, but I don't see that a lot. And so the things that I'm looking for really are can't like work ethic and not only just being able to work hard, but working hard with like physical stamina <laughs> for a long time. And, and there are certain types of people where that is enjoyable and that makes the job more fun. And I think I have, I am the kind of person where it's like the harder I work, the more rewarding it is, um, the more delicious dinner tastes that night, you know? Um, so that having that like drive and enjoying it because at the end of the day we're like you can work really hard but if you're not having a good time and busting up in the field and like you know singing songs and whatever it is like that you know it, we we have to play off of each other and so I, I you have to really love working hard <laughs> and be able to laugh about it I also think that a big thing in agriculture 
or in farming is problem solving. So can you, you know, be confronted with an issue where it's like, okay, this is broken. These are the things that we have to fix it. And they're certainly not the right things <laughs> that, that should be used to fix this. What can we do? And, you know, uh, what skills do I have? What skills do you have? What do we know about this? Um, how long can this fix? I mean, it's just, it's always just constantly problem solving. Um, oh, I forgot this at the market. How can I like, you know, figure out another, you know, table to set up whatever I, it's it's always just there's always something going wrong there's always <laughs> something amiss there's always a leaking irrigation you know and it's you're constantly fixing it and figuring it out and so that is also something where someone should thrive on that and enjoy it and because that is is basically a constant um and i also i i just look for people who are not just that are passionate about the work that we do and it doesn't have to be like I love vegetables but definitely like I'm trying to make this world a better place I want to create a safe place for my fellow employees to work and for my customers to eat and buy produce and um I'm open to learning what you have to teach me and I'm open to teaching you what I have to teach so I'm, I'm sure probably someone out there is really interested in following a similar path to you. Do you have any advice for young people that want to be farmers and uh, start their own farm someday? Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, work on a farm or two or three or five. That's the way that you kind of can, with a little bit less risk, figure out if this is what you want to do and learn how to do it from people who are very skilled and knowledgeable in their, um, in their career. Secondly, I think finding your community of farmers in the space that you decide to farm and mentors and people who are there to not only support you and teach you and help you, but also are just like, know what you're going through <laughs> as like a solo owner of a farming operation I have found it to be it could it, I have found it to be so wonderful and not lonely because I have had such a strong group of farmers in the area and when I need a, a beer <laughs> or even just you know a phone call they're there um, and my mentors, mostly women with small vegetable farms in the area, have just been incredibly generous with their time and their energy and their knowledge with me. So you're not alone. You know, uh, it, you never see farmers really because we're all hermits, but like we're out there. And so if you're going to start a farm, find some fellow farmers to be your friend because it's a it's a long road to hoe, if you will. <laughs> so I love hearing about um, just having mentors and, and uh, women lifting each other up to be successful. That always warms my heart. Yes. <laughs> I just feel like patronizing or anything, but I really, I love that stuff. <laughs> I love it too. And I, you know, you would think like there, you know, with so many vegetable farms in the area, like maybe there would be some kind of competition, but it truly is just 
the more that we all succeed, the better everything, you know, everything will be and the, the, we're all working towards a common goal. And it's a beautiful, I, it like brings tears to my eyes, but it's like the way that at least in this area, the farmers connect is a really wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. I, I think it's really important to recognize that agriculture is such a broad like sphere and so being a farmer is like is a is a very important job and is obviously a huge aspect of what agriculture is but if you're not the kind of person who wants to be a farmer there are so many spaces for you in this in our food producing network we need you know we have eaters who need access to food we have land that needs conservation we have policy that needs to be made we have uh you know farmers that need resources and education um and uh, research there the the list goes on and so i think when you're preparing for if if agriculture is for you that there find what you're good at or what you're passionate about and then like utilize those skills to you know, push the food system towards in the right direction, because I've had, I've known many people, um, friends and acquaintances that have tried farming and it wasn't for them. And I don't blame them because it's <laughs> crazy. So, but that doesn't mean you have, oh, you have to like, you know, become a car salesman. Cause that's just like, you didn't make it in the agricultural sphere. You know, it's there, there are spots for you if you're passionate about food, um, and, and how to, how to produce it in our in our society so um start with start with what you love and start with what you're good at and go from there I would say so why should young women and gender minorities consider pursuing a career in agriculture what are some of the benefits I mean it's you just think about food and you think about how it's just like a basic thing that all of us need for survival and the fact that certain type a, a certain type of person is like controlling all of that it's it's ridiculous like I think I personally believe the more diverse the more sustainable the more ideas and beliefs and um you know ideas that are thrown out into the agricultural sphere the better and it it just doesn't make any sense that that many many people are not um, are not recognized and or um, represented, and so I think it's it's just like an obvious <laughs> next step is the more the merrier and the better it will be and the the more problems will be solved. Um, and I know it's so hard, and I as a queer woman have. I'm still surprised every time I walk out of a tractor supply store and I'm not like feeling patronized, <laughs> you know, and that's, but, but that's a win. Cause I wasn't, you know, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard road ahead of us, but I think the more of us that, that come together and, and support each other, you know, I think it would just make agriculture such a better place. <laughs> completely. I completely agree. So what is next for Lucky Grow Farms? Oh, we're going to just keep on harvesting tomatoes through the month. Um, and 
I, um, I think as the business grows, I'm trying to be more of an asset to my community. Um, and so, like I said, internships, that kind of thing is going to grow as a program on the farm. Um, I've been joining more boards, trying to get more involved with what's going on in economic development and food access in my community, um, running for a, a county seat, which, you know, I think as a small farmer, this position is not generally being represented by people like me. And so I think it's now time for Lucky Crow Farm to kind of contribute to the community that has supported us so much um, through these last few years. We'll see. It's it, You never know what the next season will bring, honestly. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> so do you have anything to plug? Do you want to tell people where they can find you or any social media that they can follow you on? Yeah, we're at the um, Corvallis and Independence Farmers Markets every Saturday. Um, we have a newsletter with updates and musings and recipes and pictures. Um, and you can sign up for that on our website at luckycrowfarm.com. We have Instagram, Facebook, which I'm dedicated to being better at, <laughs> Lucky at Lucky Crow Farm. And um, we have a CSA. So if you're looking for a weekly produce pickup in Monmouth or Salem or Corvallis, um, we can we can feed you all season long. So it's all on the website. <laughs> Excellent, Eden. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Casey. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at MidValleySTEM.org. Until next time, keep progressing. Keep progressing.